Welcome to Whores Talk Horror. We're not really whores. We just like wordplay. Hello and welcome to Whores Talk Horror. I'm Sharon. And I'm Melinda. And this is our May Tidbits of Terror episode. Spencer, hit it. Tidbits of Terror. Terror. Tidbits. Tidbits of Terror. Terror. Tidbits. <laughs> All right. Thank you to voice actress extraordinaire Carrie Weeder <laughs> for the Tidbits of Terror jingle. On this Tidbits episode, we have Shutter Movie News, a new docu-series on a murder cult case that we covered on a previous episode, a new movie from A24, more info on the Starved Rock Murders case, which is a story that we actually covered on our show a couple of weeks ago, and much, much more. Uh, but first... I want to talk about It's Me, Billy. So we are finally only days away from watching It's Me, Billy, the unofficial sequel and fan tribute film to the 1974 Canadian horror classic Black Christmas, a.k.a. one of our all-time favorite horror movies. And it will be available to watch on YouTube on May 28th. It's Me, Billy is set nearly 50 years after the events of the first movie and follows the granddaughter of Jess Bradford, who was originally played by the lovely Olivia Hussey. We are so excited to finally watch this. I found out about this movie and surprised Mindy with the details of it back in our January Tidbits of Terror episode, I think. And then we actually interviewed Dave McRae, who is the writer and director of the film. Actually, he co-wrote and co-directed it along with his buddy Bruce Dale. But you can check out our interview with Dave. It was episode number 86, and it was such a fun interview. We talked all about It's Me, Billy, obviously, but then we also talked about all the Black Christmas movies and about the whole Halloween franchise. And he even surprised us with one of the best real-life paranormal encounter stories that I've ever heard. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm going to be watching this with a big bowl of popcorn on the 28th, and it actually has a 42-minute runtime, so as far as short films go, it's really not that short. That's I'm so excited. You may need to come over, Mindy, and watch it. I know, I know, I think so, and we're both vaccinated, so we can do that now. And Spencer's vaccinated, Woo! All right, Mindy, you have some Shutter news for us. I do. Uh, This info comes from Horror News Network. Shutter announces... A Summer of Chills lineup. I'm very excited about this. Uh, Including, get this, a previously lost film by George A. Romero titled The Amusement Park. And basically, I feel like I could stop talking right there because that sounds awesome to me. No further explanation needed, but I'm going to keep going. The Romero film will premiere on June 8th and be exclusive to Shudder. The 52-minute-long film follows an elderly gentleman who goes for what he assumes will be an ordinary day at the amusement park, only to find himself in the middle of a hellish nightmare instead. According to IMDb, a Lutheran society hired George Romero to create a movie about elder abuse. (laughs) And when George (laughs) turned in his take of elder abuse... I'm raising my hand over here because I have questions when you're done. (laughs) Uh I already do too. The Lutheran Society (laughs) that hired him was so shocked and horrified from what they saw that they never showed it to anyone. 
This was shot in 1973, but never released since it was too gruesome. Uh, but a print was tracked down in 2018 by Daniel Krauss and received a 4K restoration. Then Shutter announced in February of this year that they acquired the rights to show the film. So thank you, Shutter. There will be a dozen or so other films on Shutter's Summer of Chills collection. Shutter general manager Craig Ingler said the Summer of Chills, quote, Offer something for everyone with a fantastic lineup of new premieres every week, unquote. We will have the link to this article in our show notes if you want to check out the complete list of movies for yourself, along with the release dates. All right. So first off, I'm going to say I'm so glad that the Lutheran Society didn't just destroy the film because they hated it so much. Also... (laughs) Why did a Lutheran society (laughs) hire a guy who made Night of the Living Dead to make what sounds like an educational film about elder abuse? Um, Also, I cannot wait to see George Romero's take on elder abuse. At at an amusement park. Yeah, apparently it involves going to an amusement park and getting brutalized because, you know, that's... Elderly people, they go to amusement parks a lot. You know, I always see them on roller coasters and stuff at Six Flags. And they can be scary places, amusement parks. I mean, think about it. Oh, my God. I can't wait. I wonder if it's um, similar to uh, Carnival of Souls. Oh, I know. That would be awesome. Regardless, I can't wait to see it. Uh, So (laughs) I'm really excited about Shudder's Summer of Chills, I guess. Sharon, you have some news about a crazy cult story we covered a while back, don't you? I do. So there's a new docu-series produced by Blumhouse Television called Fall River. It started on Epics on May 16th. I've only watched the first episode so far. The last of the four episode series will be on June 6th. Um, I was really, really excited for this one um, because, as you said, I did cover the Fall River Cult murders in episode number 69. So go listen to that episode if you have not heard it yet. And the new docuseries tells the story of the murder of three women who were killed in 1979 with the police alleging a satanic cult was practicing human sacrifice. The cult leader, a man named Carl Drew, was captured and sent to prison for the murders and was sentenced to life without parole. 20 years after the trial, the lead investigator, Paul Carey, became so haunted by the inconsistencies in the stories that he reinvestigated his own case after he retired, which to me sounds a little unheard of. I wonder how common that is. But um, I think we discussed some of these inconsistencies in the story um, when we told it in our um, podcast episode. So I'm curious to see if they're going to be talking about any of that. But I guess evidence surfaced that brought the entire story into question. And now through exclusive interviews, including intimate conversations with Drew himself, new witnesses and illuminating new evidence, the documentary series will tell the true story of a town caught in the grip of the paranoia and fear around the 1980s satanic panic and will shed light on murders that were thought to have been solved. Uh, According to Mary Lizio, who is the EVP of Alternative and Non-Scripted Programming for Blumhouse, the docuseries gives a face and a voice to the marginalized victims, the women who, because they were sex workers, did not receive the care or attention warranted to them during the initial investigation into their deaths. And she says, quote, 
Over the course of filming, we uncovered aspects of the investigation that were previously unknown. New evidence that 41 years later brings us closer to the truth of what really happened to these women. So this is a great new trend that we're seeing more and more of in true crime documentaries where the documentaries are giving voices to the victims a lot more instead of just sensationalizing the criminals. And I really like and appreciate that. I think the first time we really saw anything like that was in that Ted Bundy documentary that focused on the victims. What was the name of that one? Uh, You know, I don't I was just thinking the same thing and I don't remember off the top of my head. but It was based off of her book, uh, Meg's book. Yes, Meg, who is was his girlfriend. Right, um, right. Yeah. But yeah, that was a beautiful if I have to say it like it sounds weird to say this about a Ted Bundy documentary, but that was a beautiful documentary, I thought, because I really loved hearing the women and their perspective. And we had never gotten that with Ted Bundy before. It was always him. So yeah, yeah. I agree. This is a I love this trend. Yeah, because I don't know about you, but like a lot of times I feel really uncomfortable with the fact that I like true crime so much, almost like it's shameful. And I mean, for many, many years, it was kind of a shameful thing. Like people didn't want to admit it. And now it's it almost seems like it's a fad just because it's like everywhere. I mean, podcasts and uh, documentaries and movies and True crime shows, I mean, like you go on Hulu or Netflix or anything. I mean, there's entire channels just dedicated to true crime. And there always were. I mean, there was always like court TV and things like that. But now it's just like growing and growing. It's just like, you know, so huge. Um, And it's like, okay to admit that you like true crime. And for me personally, I've always been fascinated with the way the human mind works. And I'm just truly curious about why someone would kill another person. Mm -hmm. And I do like to know the details about the killers and see if anything in their life drove them to a life of murder. Cause like, you know, we've talked about this a lot. The whole nature versus nurture question is just so fascinating to me. Um, Yeah. But yes, we also need to humanize the victims and show complete respect for them and their families. So it's definitely important to focus on more of that as well. So I'm super excited to watch the next three episodes and see what information, uh, what new information they have about the case. Yeah, I didn't know about this until like you told me, obviously. (laughs) Uh, And I almost cut you off earlier and said, oh my God, I have epics because I totally can't wait to watch this. And I just earlier this week was watching something on ID, the ID channel, ID Discovery, whatever, and was thinking that it was like a mother talking about her daughter that had gone missing and they were searching for her. And I also think that it's really important to give voice to the victims and and bear witness to like the sadness of those that have been left behind or affected by murders like this or, or crimes like this. So that's kind of how I'm looking at true crime these days is I'm like kind of there to like bear witness for these people that can't speak or you know aren't there to give their testimony or to tell their side of the story so I'm I'm I don't want to say I'm psyched to see this but I kind of am very interested to see this we'll say I agree because it is kind of a new change in mindset for a lot of people because we were always just so like inundated with the details of the crimes themselves or the killers we never talked about the victims and then you come across someone like um, in like a Reddit thread or in like a web sleuth thread or something like that where people are discussing the crime and every once in a while, like someone from the victim's family will jump on and be like, 
you know, this was my grandmother or this was my yeah. my cousin or something like that. And we forget that even though some of these crimes took place so long ago, that they still have family members that are alive and who have to see their family's cases sensationalized on the news. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what that's like. I hope I never do know what that's like um, for my, you know, yeah. I don't want anyone I, I know being uh, killed in such a horrific way. But yeah, I, th- I think we all just need to start looking at true crime with a uh, a, a kinder heart and mind and um, just just viewing it through a new lens. Yeah, agreed. Totally agreed. All right. Uh, so you have some A24 movie news about something coming out this summer, huh? Huh? I do. I do. Uh, I know there are a lot of A24 film fans out there. Uh, If you don't know what A24 is, it's the studio behind such movies as Green Room, The Vivitch, or The Witch, I guess you should say, Uh, Hereditary, The Lighthouse, Midsummer, and much, much more. According to Dread Central, they are releasing a new epic horror fantasy flick titled The Green Knight this July. July 31st, to be exact, although I guess... That's subject to change given the state of the world right now. Um, the film stars uh, Dev Patel from Some Dog Millionaire and Alicia Vikander. I think that's how you say her name from Ex mm-hmm. Machina and so many other things, as well as Kate Dickey and Ralph Innocent is how I'm, I'm going to go with what I'm going to go with for that name, um, who are both in The Witch. The Green Knight is a fantasy reimagining of the medieval story of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. It tells the story of Sir Gawain, King Arthur's reckless and headstrong nephew, as he embarks on a daring quest to confront the eponymous Green Knight, a gigantic emerald-skinned stranger and tester of men. Gawain contends with ghosts, giants, thieves, and schemers in what becomes a deeper journey. He must prove his worth in the eyes of his family and kingdom by facing the ultimate challenger. It should be noted, and I know this will make Spencer excited, Weta Digital worked on the visual effects. Uh, For you non-Lord of the Rings nerds out there, Weta Digital is a digital visual effects company based in Wellington, New Zealand that was founded by Peter Jackson, Richard Taylor, and Jamie Selkirk in 1993 to produce the digital effects for the movie Heavenly Creatures. Obviously, they also did the special effects for the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit movies, as well as a million other big budget movies such as Avatar and Godzilla vs. Kong. But they also did the special effects for some well-known horror movies as well, including The Frighteners, Krampus, and Annabelle Comes Home. So watch for that. I, I'm interested. I know for damn sure. Uh, now, Sharon, you have a new podcast that you want to give a shout out to that I highly second that shout out. And what is that podcast? It is called The Gloom, featuring our friend Carrie Weeder. (laughs) (laughs) It premiered May 10th and is now available to listen to on all podcast streaming platforms. At least it should be available on pretty much all podcast streaming platforms. New episodes are available each Monday. The Gloom follows an investigative journalist who uncovers clues surrounding a decades-old cold case where she eventually learns the horrifying truth about a systemic cover-up tied to her own past. 
Carrie Weeder plays Dr. Darlene Harrington, a well-meaning but flawed psychiatrist. The podcast also features Tobin Bell, who you may all know as Jigsaw from the Saw franchise, and it's produced by Violet Hour Media, and they make great podcasts. They do. Um, So check out their other podcasts if you have not listened to them, including uh, In Another Room, which Carrie Weeder is also in, which is, I loved that podcast. Yeah, that was great. This one's really good too, but I've not listened to so many episodes yet, so no spoilers. I've only listened to the first two, um, and so far I'm really into it. It's well acted, it's well produced, um, and if you're into fictional narrative horror mystery type podcasts, I highly suggest you check it out. I believe there are going to be 10 episodes total, and each episode is only about 30 minutes long, so it's very bingeable for people who do not have like a ton of time to invest in, you know, long ass <laughs> podcasts that, you know, where some episodes are like two hours each or they, you know, the story goes on for like months and months and months. Um, yeah. And it's been described as the ring meets cereal. So, I mean, based on that description alone, yeah. sold yeah, yeah. I will say, though, that I do get a little frustrated because after that, each episode ends, I'm like, I want more. Well, so. you can just wait until they're all out and then binge them all in a row. I might have to do that. We'll see. But then I every week I'm like, oh, but I can't not listen to it. So it's kind of, you know. <laughs> Such a conundrum. Right? I know. But sort of along that lines, um, if you want to watch and listen, sort of, Uh, And if you get a chance to get a free trial to the Apple TV Plus streaming service, I think you should do it because there's this show called Calls, as in like phone calls, and it's worth the subscription price alone. I'm also kind of curious as to why no one else is talking about this. From Bustle.com, the series is an English language remake of a French hit. And like its title implies, the scripts are essentially a series of overlapping phone calls that grow increasingly fraught as the unexplained happens over and over again. The plot's mysterious, but the voices on the other end of the line are very recognizable. Here are some of the voices you'll hear on calls. Aaron Taylor-Johnson. Riley Keough, Ben Schwartz, Jennifer Tilly, Karen Gillan, Lily Collins, Judy Greer, Pedro Pascal, Rosario Dawson, and one of my favorites, Aubrey Plaza, goes head-to-head or voice-to-voice, I guess, with Horse Talk Horror Award winner Clancy Brown. I blew through this show in one sitting and am, like I said, so genuinely, genuinely curious as to why more people aren't talking about this. Our patrons will... Uh, be somewhat familiar with this show as they got a sneak peek of the short film that the series was originally based off of. But if anyone else has seen this series, shoot us an email and let us know what your thoughts on this because I loved it and would really love to hear what other people think. But if you can get a hold of Apple TV Plus calls, watch and listen. Very good stuff. Okay, so for people like me who are technologically inept <laughs> we'll say <laughs> how does one watch apple tv if you first of all do you need an apple tv no it's basically a streaming service like netflix or hulu or whatever okay and yeah. how much does it cost a month i don't remember i 
honestly, because between calls and then Mythic Quest just started its new series, The Rob McElhaney Show, um, and I have not started the second season yet because I've been waiting to binge that this weekend. But between those two shows alone, I think it's worth it. But you get when I bought my new phone, I got like a free year subscription. Okay. Like a trial. So that's how I got started was with a free year. I think Spencer's looking it up for us. Spencerpedia. Do you have an answer? Five dollars a month. Oh shit, that's nothing. Okay. <laughs> Do they have uh like a free month trial or anything? A week. Oh, free week trial. Okay. And how many episodes of calls are there? There's only like ten, I think. Okay. And I'm wondering if there's gonna be more, but I won't say why. I'm wondering that. But and normally I don't like American remakes of shows like Les Revenants. I fucking right. loved that show and binged it so fast. And also, then I you're started welcome. the American. You're welcome for introducing me to that show. I mean, no, thank you for introducing me <laughs> to that show. Not you're welcome. Um Anyways, yeah, I I got through like 10 minutes of the American version of that one and like shut it off because I was like, all right, done after 10 minutes. It was so bad, but this is actually good. That was a different, that's a different, I could go off about that. That's a whole different set of circumstances. This is actually done by the guy who did the French original um, and... It's it's very minimalist, so there's not a whole lot that they can fuck up about it. But from what I've seen, I, I actually can't find the French version because I did look because obviously I looked just to watch that first and I can't find it. But the short that is on our Patreon page, um, that is from the French original. So it's kind of weird because you're listening to it, but you have to read the subtitles because <laughs> it's all in French. But um, they're very similar, like the very first episode, which is the short that our patreon subscribers got to see uh that's the same opener as the the french american series so it's not very it's not a huge take or like leap from the original series from what i can tell um and i went in completely cold really knowing nothing about it and thought it was just badass so that's where i'm coming from i love it i highly recommend it all right, well, maybe we'll um, get Apple TV and start watching that this weekend because we don't have enough shows to watch. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if you have not listened to our episode about the Starved Rock murders, it's episode number 96, so go check it out. But quickly, though, if you are unfamiliar with the story on March 14th, 1960, the bodies of three women from the Chicago suburbs were discovered in the beautiful St. Louis Canyon, which is one of the many natural wonders at Starved Rock State Park near Utica, Illinois. And at the end of the episode, we mentioned that Chester Weger, who is the man that was convicted of the murder of just one of the three women, uh, he served 60 years in prison for the murder of Lillian Odding, They only tried him for one of the murders just in case he was found not guilty. That way they could still try him for one of the other two murders. Um, He was actually released from prison on February 20th of 2020. And to this day, he maintains his innocence. But in September of 2020, Uyghur wanted a crime lab to take a look at some of the evidence that was seized and stored But a judge said no. Then on uh, January 11th of this year, 2021, a lawyer on Uyghur's behalf appeared in front of a LaSalle County, Illinois judge 
who put off the motion to reconsider a hearing until May 3rd of 2021, which is now come and gone. Um, I went online and I could not find anything about that new hearing. So I have no idea if it even took place or if they postponed it. Um, I did find some other information, though, because as I said in the Starved Rock episode, there was just so much information. This case was so much more involved than I even thought it was going to be. Um, I, I tried to include as much information as I could. But there was no way I was going to be able to include everything. Um, But I did just come across this from a July 8th, 2004 Chicago Tribune article titled Evidence in 1960 Killing Tainted. Convicts push for retesting useless, (gasps) prosecutors say. Oh, my God. And here's why. The latest hope of Chester Weger to prove his innocence was dashed Thursday by contaminated evidence, prosecutors say. Weger's attorney, Donna Kelly, had asked a judge in LaSalle County for DNA testing on items including Weger's leather coat and hair found in the victim's fist. She hoped the results would help prove Weger's innocence in the 1960 slaying of three Riverside women. <laughs> All right, so listen to this. This is, like, nuts <laughs> to me. <laughs> but after Weger's conviction in 1961 and after appeals were exhausted, prosecutors allowed school groups, civics clubs, and student journalists to handle and examine the evidence. Ugh. Right? Like, here, kids. Here's a bunch of evidence from a murder case. Go play with it. Like, what the fuck? I don't understand that at all. Obviously, um, you know. Oh, my God. 61 years ago. But still, you would think that, like, once evidence is sealed, you don't just, like, let random people handle it. Like, school groups? Like, for what purpose? Like, what purpose did that serve? Yeah. And in addition to that, Uyghur's jacket was stored in a bag with the victim's clothing. Oh, my God. I mean, like, how inexperienced were all of the people involved in this case very you know very (laughs) good answer (laughs) um but that means the women's dna likely has been transferred to Uyghur's coat of course yeah it's all over everything so yeah who knows why they did such an idiotic method of storing evidence and just handling evidence in a in a triple homicide case i mean that just like, it's beyond me. I just, I don't get it at all. Um, but I guess, you know, this was from 2004. And as I talked about in the episode, there were other, uh, there was other new evidence that was brought into light, including fingernail scrapings and um, some other things that hopefully were managed in a somewhat better way than uh, this evidence was. Also, I found a statement on a Web Sleuths forum, quote, in November 1964, a 27-year-old prisoner in Texas, John M. Peters, claimed that he had killed the three Chicago women. He also claimed to have beaten a woman to death in Marshall, Texas in 1955 and claimed to have shot a man to death in El Capitan, New Mexico. I could not find anything else about this person. So I don't know where the information came from. 
but it was on a forum for, you know, online web detectives. Um, who knows if there's any validity to that? I, I still really want to know who committed these murders, whether it was him or someone else or him and someone else. You know, I, I really hope they agree. I hope the state of Illinois agrees to retest any evidence that they have um, that may be not contaminated. Um, but yeah, I would love to know what happens with this case because Spencer and I, we um, went out to Starved Rock to go hiking and take some pictures a few days before the episode on Starved Rock came out. And like just being there made me have even more questions. Just being in that area um, in St. Louis Canyon where these women were like brutally attacked and viciously murdered. It's it's such a contrast to the area. It's so secluded. Number one, it's about a mile hike to get there from the main lodge. And it's just so beautiful. And it's even more beautiful than I remember it being. And it's it's so big. It is like, I mean, these 80 foot walls of this canyon that just like surround you. It is just so vast. And we went up to that area where the bodies were found. And it is is pretty sloped, that area. It would not be easy, I think, to be able to drag a body up there in the winter, especially with like snow and ice. I think it would be so hard to do that. So I like I was like, how would this even be possible? Although I think the ground might have been higher 60 years ago, so it may have been a little easier. But I don't know. It was it was kind of surreal being there, but I didn't feel like any negative energy and there was other people around and maybe if I went by myself, I would have felt a little differently. Um, we did see a dead muskrat though. <laughs> I've never seen a, an alive muskrat. <laughs> I didn't even know what a muskrat looked like, but at the bottom of this um, like 80 foot waterfall, there was this big animal that I thought was a beaver um, and it was dead and it was really sad. And then um, someone else that was there like shouted, like, I think it's a muskrat. I was like, oh, okay. So um, <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> All right. So before we go, Mindy, I have a listener request. Actually, it's a um, specific request for you. Okay. One of our listeners messaged us on Instagram, and they really, really want you to watch the Netflix show Behind Her Eyes because they want us to discuss the show. Um, I'm down with it. I've already watched it, and I loved it, and I would have to do a rewatch, though, okay. because uh, I binge it so quickly that, yeah, I, there's, I would definitely need to rewatch it and take notes this time um but maybe you could do that and we can discuss it in next month's tidbits of terror episode if you're up for the challenge well and it's funny because just i think earlier this week maybe i was going through netflix and i was going to text you to be like what was that show that you were telling me about and i wanted to make sure i had it added to my queue and i wasn't sure if this was it or not so you just confirmed thank you so now i'll watch it all right cool well all right well you gotta watch it and take notes, and we will have a little discussion about it. Um, for those of you who have not seen it yet, it is a great mystery thriller with some paranormal elements mixed in. It's about a single mom with a young son who's like the cutest little kid ever. 
because I love <laughs> little kids with glasses. Um, and she works in a psychiatrist's office and begins to have an affair with her boss and also strikes up a friendship with his wife. And that's okay. all I'm going to say about it. That is definitely the one that I saw that I added to my list. All right, cool. And I think it's the one that I told you about. If you think you're going to guess the ending, you're yeah. not going to guess the ending <laughs> because it's never been fucking done before. And it blew me away. Okay. All right. Challenge accepted. All right. <laughs> you said it on, on air. So it's on the you, internet now. It's, it's true. Can't take it back. We got to do it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you all for listening to us. As always, you can write to us at horrorstalkhorror at gmail.com with anything you want to share with us, whether it's ghost stories, true crime stories, creepy stories, whatever you want us to read on our show. If you have any topics that you would like us to discuss or TV shows or movies that you want us to talk about, let us know. Yeah. Uh, Please also subscribe to us, rate and review us. It really does help us get more exposure. Uh, If you are able to, please join our Patreon to get early access to episodes, the exclusive posts, maybe even get some cool shit in the mail. Um, Please be kind to each other. Uh, If you are if you're not already and you're able to go get that vaccination and please keep wearing your masks, because even if you're vaccinated, it still helps other people. Be nice to each other. Be kind to each other. Be safe. And as always, thanks for getting creepy with us. Sharon, you want a beer? Uh, Oh, my God.